And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, have you seen that video from Florida? There is a 17-year-old student who literally knocked out a school employee in the hallway. The original story was that the school employee who is a paraprofessional, not a full teacher, that's irrelevant, but just for clarification, this paraprofessional apparently, as the story goes, or as the student told authorities, that she took a Nintendo Switch from the guy and that caused him to get angry. She has since come out and said, fortunately making a recovery, that she did not take his Nintendo Switch. So there's some debate going on. But anyways, the video shows him running her down and pushing her and launching her five to six feet in the air and then get on top of her and beat her and punch her. Now, the response from staff is one lady comes running in and starts tapping him on the shoulder, probably encouraging him to stop. Now, keep in mind, the guy is six feet seven, and I think they said 270 pounds. So think about that, six, seven, about 300 pounds. And he's just wailing on this employee that is apparently unconscious at this point. And this lady comes in, who is probably about half his size, as, as far as height goes, and is trying to tap him on the shoulder to get him to stop. And, of course, he doesn't. He's enraged. He's mad. And then it's kind of odd because then around the corner – walking down the hallway nonchalant, is a Marine. Now, he's not dressed in fatigues. I don't think it's his dress blues, but he's wearing the blue slacks with the the beige button-down short sleeve shirt. So, obviously, he's a Marine. He comes walking, and then he is the first to really intervene and literally pulls or pushes the, the kid off the employee and then is trying to attend to the employee. But as the kid is kind of sitting on his backside on the floor, he starts kicking, starts kicking. At this point, some other staff is starting to come in. And then the Marine steps between the employee laying unconscious on the ground and the student that's trying to kick and is moving him away. Eventually, as more people come to give assistance, the Marine pulls the guy away completely from the unconscious employee and is there and then more people come and then the authorities come and eventually the kid is arrested. I haven't seen too much of who this Marine is. I've looked and as of this conversation with you right now, I have not seen or heard of who this Marine was and why he was there. But if it wasn't for this Marine, this person that was there, It could have gotten way worse and been way more severe because as the kid was being led away in handcuffs, apparently the victim now was in proximity and this kid spat at and said he was going to come back and kill her. So obviously this kid has problems far beyond just this one incident. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm starting to think about safety in schools, we often think about the threat outside coming in, such as shooters, mass shootings, maybe terrorist attacks that might attack the city that the school is in or the town. 
but the threat is always from the outside. But the more I see it, the more I experience it, if you really want to be honest, I'm trying not to make it about me, but the more you experience it, the more you realize there is a big threat coming from the inside of those school walls that are a threat to both students and to teachers. Now, this kid, according to the New York Post, is apparently a student that has behavioral disabilities and needs specially designed instruction. Okay. Again, the student said the employee took his Nintendo Switch. The employee says that's a lie. The student is 17 year old, uh, 17 years old, 67270. He's been charged as an adult and he attacked a school employee in Florida and knocked this school employee out. Now, those are the facts. Can't dispute them. Those are the facts. You see it on the the video. Now, the observations, like I said, if not for that Marine walking down the hall and intervening, this incident could have lasted much longer, and the results could have been much worse. I mean, you take a look at the the people that are responding in the video, I think there was another guy wearing a red polo type shirt that comes in and enters the fray. But again, mostly women. It's not a knock on women. Okay, so don't come at me with this gender war. But in all honesty, the 6'7", 270-pound dude was no match for any of these women. They were not going to stop him. They would have gotten hurt. So again, this Marine that walks in, if he was not there, how bad would it have, this? Uh, how bad would this have gotten? The other thing, the observation was, it required a physical interaction, a physical reaction to stop the student. The Marine had to actually take the guy and pull him, push him, remove him from the employee that was laying unconscious. Had to literally put hands on him to get him to move. Again, initially, the teacher that first responds is tapping the the kid on the shoulder, saying something to him, obviously trying to get him to stop. But it wasn't until hands were laid on the student, moving him physically by this Marine. And then again, as more and more people respond, it's primarily female. Now, according to reports, there are two resource officers, police officers, that were on campus, but apparently the campus is big and they were someplace else. They eventually responded, but again, what would have happened? Now, first and foremost, teachers are really unprepared for this type of violence, to respond to this type of violence. When you talk about an outside threat coming in, okay, you're talking about locking down, you're talking about hiding, and creating a barrier between you and the threat. Keeping your students tucked away somewhere, and again, creating a barrier between you and the threat. That's what it is from the threat on the outside. But what happens when the threat is on the inside? Student to teacher assault. Teachers aren't prepared for that. I mean, let's face it, most of us are out of shape, Most teachers spend a lot of time at school doing academics, grading, reports, all different kinds of things, uh, data. Not a lot have time for the gym. Not a lot want to do the gym. A lot of people might be various ages. 
if you're fresh out of college, college, a teacher college, for example, let's say you go to school to be a teacher, they don't teach you anything like this. They might throw some strategies at you, how to de-escalate or strategies, how to redirect or strategies to confront students that aren't behaving or aren't complying, but you're not trained to deal with this type of threat. And again, mostly ladies in the video that were a third of the size of this guy being 6'7", 270. And law prohibits, most of the time, law prohibits that school employees are not allowed to touch students unless, and the only thing I can figure out is unless it's a special education situation where the kid is posing a threat to something and you have been trained through a specialized training to put hands on and hold the student, okay? Without that, you're really not supposed to touch students. So in this type of situation, what should be done? Obviously, there are no weapons at school. I mean, if we're outside of school, you're thinking of people protecting themselves, possibly with mace, a stun gun, things like that. Self-defense, right? So if this happened outside the walls of a school, your normal self-defense mode can kick in and you can defend yourself or you can defend somebody who is helpless, being unconscious. And those self-defense laws that are designed to protect people defending themselves would kick in. But what happens inside the school? Oftentimes when you see an escalation between a student and a teacher, even if the student instigates it, if the teacher reacts physically, the teacher gets in trouble, loses the job, maybe some uh, criminal penalties, charges, maybe jail, probation, losing a license to teach, stuff like that. And so, again, what can be done? I mean, the victim was blindsided, was sent flying five to six feet. It became a life and death situation. Bystanders, probably outside of the school, if it was on the street someplace, Someplace else, bystanders probably would have jumped in immediately to try to break up the situation. We see it happen. So what can be done? What caused this? Well, we really don't know what caused this. Again, the student says that this school employee took his Nintendo Switch. The school employee now rebuts that and says that's a lie, calls it misinformation. But we all know misinformation is really a lie these days. And it's becoming a bigger trend. Just look it up. Just go internet search videos and you'll see violence between teachers and students are more common than you'd think. Ample amount of videos on video hosting sites that show violence between teachers and students. Who's to blame? You would think that the teachers, right, would be the ones that they're the professionals. They're the ones that should have patience They're the ones that need to be in control, but they're human. Students push teachers to the brink of snapping. Safety is a big issue in these situations. Safety is just a big issue, period. So what can be done? It's gotten to the point these days where students disrespect teachers, do not comply with teachers' requests, threaten teachers, 
And teachers are getting frustrated. They're losing patience, and they're at wit's end because there's no solution in sight. Now, for me, I teach at different types of schools. My main job is uh, teaching English at a community college. But then on other days, other times, I'll go into the public schools, and I will take on assignments and teach. There is such a shortage of teachers. It is unbelievable the shortage of teachers there are. Sometimes I go in as a substitute. Well, I will be subbing for a teacher that is absent, and I'll have a substitute gig. Other times I'll go in as a teacher who is filling a vacancy for that day, which means that at the beginning of the school year, there were not enough teachers to fill that slot. And so they just try to fill it day by day with whomever they can. Might be a school employee. It might be an administrator. It might be someone like me that walks in from outside to fill the day. It might be different teachers being pulled from different like plan time. I don't think they can get away with losing their lunch, but plan time and other time that is supposed to be designated towards their work. And I see it. I've been threatened. I've had students get in my face because I asked them to comply with something and they wouldn't do it. Recently, I had a student that was lying on the counter in the science class, unsafe, asked three times, please get off the counter and sit in your chair. Even said, I don't care if you do your work, put your head down if you want, but just get off the counter. It's unsafe. Wouldn't comply. I had to call security. Security comes and person complies, but as I'm looking at security, no offense to security, I appreciate them. They don't look to be trained in any component of helping in a violent situation. They just seem to be people hired because possibly they want to be a part of a school environment. They want to help out best they can, but they don't have the education to teach. And so they fill these roles. And so you've got these school employees acting as security. How are they trained? A lot of times I see that the security officers have friendly relationships with students. I was in one situation where a student kept just walking out of the classroom. And for me, as the teacher in the class, I'm like, hey, you can't leave. I need to know where you're at at all times. Fire drill could happen. Something else could happen. You disappear. Somebody from the outside comes in and causes a threat. I need to know where my students are at all times. You cannot leave. They still leave. Call security. Security is outside yucking it up with the truant kid. I say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm talking to the student. Well, the student needs to be back in class. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. So, again, there's all different kinds of problems. I'm not blaming one single person. There's a lot of great people. There's a lot of great schools. There's a lot of great teachers. People are doing it right. But this is a trend that's increasing. So not one size fits all solution, just like not one problem fits everybody. These schools might have it handled great. These administrators might have it handled great. This school district might have their act together. It's not everybody. But you see it. I've experienced it. And what happens? The student-teacher volatility increases. Now, they do have, or they are taking steps to help school safety from an outside threat. I mean, schools are an open source for violence, whether from the outside or the inside. There's no doubt about that. 
school shootings, obviously a threat from the outside, even though it might be a student, it's still kind of a threat coming in, right, from the outside. So they've added safety measures like cameras, controlled access. Uh, you have to have passes, bulletproof glass, and other type of things depending on the school and the school district. Obviously, people are wanting more. But focus, I mean, think about this. The focus of education. Just think of the news headlines, okay? And again, not everybody, but think of the news headlines. The focus of education has been on transgendered ideology. Should transgendered women, men who are now women, play sports, bathrooms? What are they teaching in the classroom? Woke ideology, drag queen book readings, hatred between school board and parents, CRT, sexualized books in the library, pronouns, and gender ideology. That has been the main focus of the national educational system that a lot of people follow. Now, local schools, they might be exempt from this because they have their own pushback to all this or they don't comply or they create their own policies regarding this. But again, that has been the focus. School grades have been dropping standardized tests, which I guess I don't know why there's such an emphasis on standardized tests. They really don't do anything except show the school and maybe the school district and maybe the boards of education or somebody like that how bad things are. And even when students have standardized tests that are good, places like Virginia, Fairfax County, they hide that success because they don't want the kids that don't do so well to feel so bad. So, again, why are we doing this? If you score well, they're going to hide the tests. If you don't score well, big deal. Whoop-de-doo. So I don't know why they have standardized tests, to be honest. But that's what they're focusing on. They're focusing on these type of social issues, not academics. Look at society. Drugs are becoming more and more legal in society. Oregon, I think they've decriminalized like cocaine and heroin. Other places, marijuana, legal. Uh, District attorneys are soft on crime. We see it all the time. Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, just got bounced as mayor. Apparently, everyone in Chicago is fed up of the crime rate. A uh, district attorney in San Francisco was recalled for being soft on crime. They tried to recall the DA in L.A. It failed. Interesting how that happened. So, yeah, this is becoming the new epidemic in America. Lawlessness. And it's affecting kids. All of this is affecting kids. Now, they might not be partaking in drugs, but they see the the race, the racial tension outside the school, and they bring it inside the school. They see people outside not obeying laws, or if they get arrested, they get released right away. So why should they comply with laws inside? They know nothing's going to happen. What happens when you get in trouble at school? There's no discipline. There's no punishment. So kids do it over and over because they know they can get away with it. They know that if they don't comply, there's no real punishment to it. There's no repercussions. And they know that people in the outside world get away with it. People inside the school is going to get away with it. And I've seen it time and time again. And that's why a lot of people in academics, teachers, are quitting. Had a sixth-grade student within the last couple of years. He would swear 
say profanity in class all the time, tear apart the classroom when he got mad. Who knows what he got mad at? Maybe the student next to him said something to him. He was violent. He was in school. He was in class. They'd pull him out, but then they'd put him right back in. He would, I don't want to say assaulted other kids because assault makes it sound like it's something really bad, like this student in Florida assaulting. But he would, like, hit or throw things at fellow classmates. Reported him for that. I had to report them for that. They took him out of the class, and then they brought him back in. Fact is, kid probably should have been at Juvie Hall or something during the during the time I was there. His actions, they were... They weren't tolerated, but they were excused. And then all I get is an apology afterwards. Oh, sorry, the kid was that way. He's kind of that way. His, his family, like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. The excuses about outside the home or outside the school, like the home life and stuff, might have been good at one point, but not anymore. Yeah, you got a sucky home life, but let's deal with the kid. We can save the kid. But if we tolerate this behavior here, who knows what's going to happen to him? He's going to piss off the wrong person, and he might get assaulted like this student assaulting the school employee. And see, that's the thing. Violence increases. It might not be at your school. You might be ignorant to it, but it's out there. So what can be done? A lot of times we spend uh, professional development days working on things, academic-related, how to be a better teacher, things like that. But what about spending professional development on how to really de-escalate a situation that's gotten volatile? The policy now is hands off, let them destroy the thing, classroom, school, whatever it is, let them destroy it. When they calm down, then they can come back in and, and pick up the stuff. But what if that becomes something that doesn't stop? How can students, how can teachers defend themselves and fellow students from a volatile situation, especially when you've got someone that's like maybe 6'7", 270 running around? Maybe we can have laws that protect teachers, give them more opportunity to defend themselves physically. I had a student get up in my face and tell me that uh, he was upset because he was sitting in the wrong seat, which isn't a big deal, but the wrong seat was literally like, at the teacher's desk. I'm like, dude, you got to go sit down. He got up in my face. He was mad. Didn't know what he was going to do. I backed away. So that's not worth it. I'll leave the classroom before I get physical with anybody because I'm not going to do that. No kid is worth me going to jail or losing something, a license or anything like that. So I'll just walk out. But yeah, they confront you. They're not afraid to get in your face. It's happened more and more, and fortunately, by the grace of God, nothing has happened. But we need to have more laws to protect teachers from being sued and the illegalities of true defense. Just like we need to have, or we do have the laws, where if teachers are the assaulting or the person that is doing the assaulting, you know, the perpetrator, we need to have that for teachers. Administrators need to force tougher laws. What happened? Remember when there was zero tolerance for bullying? We didn't have zero tolerance for anything anymore. We need to bring back tougher laws. What, what do we do have, have now? We have um, a think seat, filling out a chart, all these things that don't affect change. I mean, we've got 
hundreds of billions of dollars going to the Ukraine. We could be spending that here in America on education, revamping the system because more and more teachers are leaving. What about sticking the offending student in a classroom? Hell, we just all use Zoom for the last couple of years. Stick him in a classroom with a Zoom. Make a classroom full of these cubicles and stick someone in a Zoom, in a classroom with a Zoom, and he can or she can watch the class from there. Keep him out of the classroom. Maybe have someone sit there and watch him. Spend more money on people that can fill these, these roles. I mean, bus drivers. Bus drivers, their role is to drive students from home to school and then from school to home. Well, what do they do in the meantime? Why can't you hire them instead of making them part-time, make them full-time and have them fill some of these duties, train them, educate them? Just a thought. But then the liberals will be like, oh, we can't do that. If we do that, that's like labeling or that's like ostracizing. They need to be in the classroom as a threat. You think so? I mean, teachers are already leaving mass exodus from the teaching profession. Vast people fleeing Dem-run states. You don't believe me? Well, California, they lost a, a seat in the House of Representatives. When you lose a seat in the House of Representatives, that means people have left your state. In some place like Texas and Florida, they've gained seats in the House of Representatives. That proves that people are going to different states because of education, because of safety, because of crime, taxes, you name it. They want a better quality of life. We should have that in schools. If we're supposed to leave the next generation to a better life, we're really not doing that. We're doing them a disservice by allowing them to do and continue this behavior. It's time for school districts and administrators, city officials, law enforcement, everybody come together to create a plan to combat this escalation of violence in schools. Teachers are pressured enough with long hours. No pay, low pay. Well, they get paid. But again, ask teachers how much of -of out-of-pocket expense they give towards their students and their supplies and stuff like that. There's a lot of -of out-of-pocket expense that schools don't cover. you got kids that they just don't give a rat's ass about what's going on. They don't want to be there. I can't tell you how many times I've passed out papers, and they just take it and throw it on the floor. Or they just set it there, and when it's time to turn in the assignment, they don't even turn in the assignment. They don't do anything. Now I'm just there maybe for the day, so maybe they only see me for the class. But they don't do it. I asked one kid straight up, hey, you're not going to do the assignment? He's like, no. So I asked him, did you give up on yourself? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why don't you want to do the assignment? He doesn't want to. They're too busy being on their phones, too busy living in the now with all the drama that's around them. They don't realize that next year, when they go from eighth to ninth grade, all the drama that they have right now in eighth grade middle school isn't going to matter. They might not even be with the same kids, depending on what high school they go to. You don't believe me? that people are leaving in mass and why the reasons are well check this out 
things I wish I knew about teaching. Number one, students are completely out of control. On any given day, students are cursing, fighting, cheating, and much worse. Number two, there's little to no discipline for unruly students. If we're lucky, they'll fill out a think sheet while sitting in a safe seat. Number three, learning isn't valued. When kids think they can access everything on the internet, they feel no reason to study. Number four, parents are uncooperative. A lot of them like to fight and argue with teachers more than their kids do. Number five, there's a huge climate of fear. Everybody is terrified of getting in trouble except the students. Number six, it's highly political. 2020 is all I'll say about that one. Number seven, there is an obsession with data and mountains of paperwork. We have to document everything even if nobody's ever going to look at it. Number eight, unstable methodologies. Nobody can seem to agree what good teaching is, so we get conflicting rules multiple times a year. That means number nine, creativity is gone. And number 10, because of all of those things, respect is gone. And this is why teachers are quitting. So there you have it, straight from a teacher and why she quit. Unruly kids, parents that don't care, they want to fight with teachers, teachers are the problem. You've got, uh, again, in not every case, but you do have a lot of administrators that are out of touch, not in the classroom, sitting down at the uh, district, whatever, and ruling from there been forever since they've stepped inside a classroom you've got students that have just no respect and they don't want to learn it's right there 10 reasons and they're all valid they're all true and i've experienced all 10 of them in the last couple of weeks it is so true waking up in the morning it's like oh boy what's in store for me today so it's getting to the point i think where and it's sad. You, you watch movies like Dangerous Minds, and you see that teacher, right? Or maybe Lean on Me and maybe some others, right? Bad Teacher, not a good example of a movie that is a teacher that inspires. But you see these movies about teachers that are inspiring kids reaching them, right? And they're inner city kids, and a lot of times they respond, right? I think there's one, um, I'm not sure the name of it, but Hillary Swank, Swank, Hillary Swank um, is the teacher and some others. But she has one where she's trying to unite the kids and draws a a line down the middle of the classroom and then asks some questions. And depending on the answer, you're supposed to step forward or step back. Um, But again, it's all these inspirational teachers out there, right? And I think it's gotten to the point where now teachers, they don't want to be inspiring anymore because they don't have it in them because students don't care. You're trying to reach that one, right? That one, that one, that one. But even that one, is like a needle in the haystack. Now, that's not always the case. Again, I have to keep reiterating that because people take things out of context. You hear like a 60-second a portion of the show, and then you take it out of context. So it's not everybody. There are kids out there that want to learn and do things. But again, overall, the general dynamic, and I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've witnessed it. But it's almost like it's almost like we have to let them go, let them fail. And then if they want a second shot at life, be there for the second chance, which is maybe in adulthood or something. Be there for the second chance, for the rebound. Because as they go down, nobody can help them because they don't want it. The other thing that I find fascinating, not only is the mass exodus, but it's it's people that at one point really had a strong desire to help out, to teach, 
They wanted to. They really did. And so they're at the point now where they can't quit because retirement, because they're so close to getting the full benefits. They only have a couple more years. So they're not really in it anymore. They're not really there. They try to be, but they're really not. They're checked out. A couple more years and I can retire. And then you've got the young ones straight from college that come in and they get deflated in their first year. So what can you do? And then you've got the people in the middle that are the ones that are probably leaving. You know, those ones that have been maybe teaching in the middle. Um, they're checked out, going other places for better pay or equal pay or maybe even less pay but less stress. So what can be done? I mean, think about it again, $100 billion going to the Ukraine. For what? I don't know. You can debate that war on your own. But $100 billion, what if we were able to retire early some of these people that really just don't want to be there? Then we'd really have a teacher shortage, wouldn't we? But we got to do something because teachers just don't want to do it. You think about um, the last three years. NPR came out with an article. Um, it said, three years since the pandemic wrecked attendance, kids still aren't showing up for school. That's part of the problem. Last year, okay, so which would have been the 21-22 um, school year. So the 21-22 school year was... For the most part, everybody was back in school, full board, across the board. Some states, maybe you're always in school, never shut down. Other states, you're probably getting back to school, right? Okay. Um, And so there was, hey, these students are problematic because they hadn't been in school. Maybe if you were a second grader, well, kindergarten, first grade, you were not in school. If you were in kindergarten, maybe first and second grade, so now you're a third grader. Okay, so you can see that a couple years, a couple, three years that we were out of school might affect people. They don't know how to relate to others. They don't know how to sit still. They don't know how a classroom works because they haven't had that. They haven't grown up in that structure. There's no structure at home. So there's all kinds of issues that would be contributed. And then, of course, just not being there. And so, again, you have now, today in 2023, Springtime 2023, you have pretty much everybody is now open. Back to what they call normal school, right? But NPR comes out with an article that is basically highlighting this kid from LAUSD and how he started junior high. It had been a couple years since he had been um, in school and he didn't want to be there. Has to be there five days a week. And I guess the last time he was in third grade, so I don't know if he's sixth, seventh grade right now, but he's middle school. I guess he's in seventh grade. And he has to be there five days a week, multiple classes each day, so it's not one classroom. He has to bounce around from classroom to classroom. His uh, schedule is busier than what he's accustomed to. And he's got new classmates, new people he has to meet. And apparently, according to his mother, three days a week, four days a week, he will call and say, I'm sick. I don't feel well. Can you come pick me up? Something that we see all the time. People not wanting to be there, so they create these mythical illnesses because they want to go home. Now, this kid apparently has missed already 10 days of school this year, which means that he's at the risk of becoming chronically absent, as they call it, according to the article. Now, this is the interesting thing. This is the point of this whole thing. Now, before the pandemic, about 8 million U.S. students were considered chronically absent, 
according to the research group Attendance Works. That's when a student misses 10% or more of school every year. By spring 2022, that number doubled to 16 million. And that's the last time they've had attendance records because apparently they only come out once a year, according to this. So double, 16 million kids are absent 10% of the year or more. A lot of it's probably the O more, right? Um, and so they have to wait until now the, the new data comes out to see what the trend is. So it's doubled. Uh, three days a week, four days a week, again, sick, not wanting to be there, calling his mom. And then the article says, I think people have been a little bit under the false impression. So people have been under the false impression that when COVID became an endemic, meaning the pandemic was over, that things would we result in a significant improvement in attendance, and that's not happening. In a survey of 21 school districts in rural, suburban, and urban areas, NPR found most districts from New York to Austin, Texas, to Lawrence, Kansas, still had heightened levels of chronic absenteeism. Students who are chronically absent are at higher risk of falling behind, naturally. Scoring lower on standardized tests. Okay, again, I don't understand standardized tests. I remember taking standardized tests in school. I'm not talking about the SAT that you use for college, which I guess now colleges aren't even using anymore. But I remember taking standardized tests every year. I don't even know what, I never even know what my results were. Even to this day, never had results, never knew what they were, nothing. No one ever asked me what I got on standardized tests. So again, I know it's a measure to see how students are improving and they're important to somebody somewhere. But like that video the teacher said earlier, we're taking data that people aren't even going to look at. Data, 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 and nobody's going to look at it. So don't understand why standardized test scores are significant when it's obviously Blatantly obvious, I guess you could say, that people can't read, can't write, for whatever reason. And then they drop out, according to the article. And that happens often in education. Students who struggle with attendance are also more likely to live in poverty, to be children of color, or have disabilities. I don't really know where dropping out has to be a a child of color. I'm not sure where the race thing comes in, because... I deal with a lot of people that dropped out of high school and now they're trying to get their education back and they're working on it, getting their GEDs. And they're all, all races. But anyways, as I move on, there's another school outside Baltimore. Chronic absenteeism has worsened over each of the last three years. According to the director of students at this uh, Maryland district, Transportation is the number one issue. Bus drivers, a shortage of bus drivers, has made it hard to cover all the bus routes and guarantee transportation for every student. Keep that in mind. Remember that, transportation. And then, of course, they go on to say that increased mental health concerns, which we've talked about due to social media, things like that, but increased mental health concerns, have heightened caution around sending kids to school when they're not feeling well. That takes a toll on attendance. A superintendent in a place in New Mexico says numbers have improved, but they haven't returned to pandemic or pre-pandemic levels. So down in New Mexico, we got stuff going on. Then the article goes on, talks about some other things, and then talks about that um, multiple districts around the country describe attendance challenges as being this, mental health crisis going on in youth. 
heightened fear around health concerns, transportation difficulties, poverty, homelessness can make it difficult. I remember when the pandemic first broke out and kids were staying home. I remember a story. They were in Los Angeles. I think they were sitting, these two young kids were sitting outside a Taco Bell just so they could get Wi-Fi to do schoolwork because they didn't have Wi-Fi at home. And I'm like, wow, that's dedication right there. The story went nuts, and, of course, they eventually got Wi-Fi, and it it made an eye-opening, like, wow, we need to get these kids Wi-Fi, universal Wi-Fi, because they're being forced to stay home and take classes on Zoom, but they don't have Wi-Fi. They're at a Taco Bell, sitting in the parking lot on a curb, trying to get Wi-Fi to do schoolwork. That's dedication. So, again, we've seen it now multiple times, mental health in this article, fear around health concerns, transportation difficulties, and then, of course, poverty and homelessness. It's there. And so, yeah, that is a big problem. $100 billion going to the Ukraine. wonder where, how that money could be used. But wait, money. Hmm. According to this article, money is not an issue. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we can send the $100 billion to Ukraine. Right. The entire nation is currently flooded with federal COVID assistance money. Hmm. So apparently money isn't an option or isn't a problem. Plenty of it to go around. So one school district has decided that home visits are strategy, and they're investing $10.7 million of that federal relief, that aid, to home visits, and that's going on in Connecticut. And apparently attendance has improved by 15 percentage points. There's a proactive response, home visits. But again, we heard from that one teacher. I want to play something in a minute from another teacher. You've got all this stuff going on, and now you've got to make home visits. Who's the one making the home visits, I wonder? doesn't say. But apparently it's making a, a difference. So congratulations. Good for them. That's awesome. But again, more work maybe for the teacher. Uh, in New Mexico, again, it goes on about investing in more mental health resources, extra counselors in Maryland, more bus drivers. Still not enough, though, according to the article. And it goes on and on. So you can see that there is a commonality in all the problems that are going on across the country. So you think about the violence. We talked about earlier at the start of the show, this six, seven, 270-pound, 17-year-old kid in Florida attacking a school employee and knocking her out threatening to kill her later, and then how violence in schools, especially violence, teacher-student violence, is on the rise. And you're starting to see now attendance is dropping. 16 million as of 2022, the last data. And it goes on and on. Buses, mental health, fear of health. I think the fear of COVID is still pretty rampant out there. On and on. But here's another thing. So, They think one solution, according to all the educators that NPR spoke with, they want to provide a school environment that gives students a sense of belonging, one that gets them back in the classroom. So at a uh, Midland High School just outside Minneapolis, the students have asked for classes that are outside traditional curriculum. So apparently this high school, middle school, they have classes in like Create Your Own Video Game, Art in the Garden, Dungeons and Dragons. Go to school, learn about Dungeons and Dragons. Between December 21 and December 22, 
the school cut absenteeism by more than half. So again, you have home visits, and now you have non-academic curriculum bringing people back. Well, at least they're back in school. A sense of belonging is starting to be now, I guess, felt by students. So this kid that the original article was about didn't want to be at school, calling out, trying to get his mom to pick him up four or five days a week because he's sick. Apparently, he joined a new sports program, basketball. And he's having fun again because he's joined basketball programs. Apparently, his mom says he's a different person. He's playing basketball. Now he has friends. It's giving him his life back. And things are starting to look more like normal. And so the article comes full circle. So again, we have problems. Some solutions. Home visits. That's great. Sports programs. That's great. non Traditional curriculum classes, those are all fine. I have no issues with any of them. I think sports programs are huge. A a big part of, you know, why kids go to school to participate in athletics. But then that is being assaulted by transgender ideology and things like that. Here's another uh, teacher as to reasons why people are quitting. Now, remember, keep in mind, bus driving and other things that are outside the teacher's control. It's no surprise to anyone that we have a major teacher shortage this year. Teachers are walking out of schools this year at an alarming rate. And you want to know why? I'll tell you exactly why teachers are quitting. Coming home mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted. Some teachers are coming home having endured being hit, kicked, bit, slapped by students and we're exhausted to the point where we can't even take care of our own kids because we are so drained at the end of the day because of all the stuff we're dealing with at school this year the kids this year they don't know how to play with each other they don't know how to stop playing with each other they don't know how to sit down be quiet to not call their teacher's name a hundred times we have had to reacclimate them to being in school again some of them haven't been in school for two years I don't understand why we're just picking back up business as usual. We are absolutely dog tired and exhausted. We have to do something because what we're doing is not working. We got admin and district officials shouting practice self-care while continually adding a million things to our plates. If y'all really cared about us practicing self-care, we wouldn't be made to feel bad when we need to take a mental health day or when we have to take a personal day off. I mean, you got teachers out here coming to school mentally sick, coming to school physically sick because their admin make them feel bad if they have to miss a day because there's a teacher shortage. I shouldn't have to sacrifice my health because y'all don't have any teachers. Our prep time is gone because there's a teacher shortage and a substitute teacher shortage. So nine times out of 10, we are having to cover a class during our prep period. So when am I supposed to lesson plan, grade these papers, get prepared for teacher observations? And I don't even know why y'all are still doing teacher observations. We've got kids missing an entire class period, missing the first part of class because they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up because of the bus driver shortage. We got kids missing class and we got parents that are upset with us as their teacher that they weren't in class. I can't control that they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up. But all of these shortages, they are affecting these students' education this year. How do you expect us to teach and get our kids on grade level when half of our class is late 
because they didn't have a bus driver. And last but not least, teacher pay. Now more than ever, teachers are looking for a way to leave education, like exit stage left immediately. The situation is that dire. There are a lot more jobs that pay way better than education, and you don't have to deal with crazy parents and power-hungry admin or district officials that have not seen the broad side of a classroom in about 20 years. The sad reality is there are so many teachers in this country that can't afford to pay their bills because they make so little money being in education. I mean, the amount of teachers that have to work a second job just to be able to pay their bills, astronomical. So a lot of teachers are starting to realize the pay plus the amount of stress that we have to deal with, not worth it anymore. There you have it. And you can go online to the video hosting pages and you can scroll through video after video after video after video of teachers and the reasons why they quit. I played a video in a prior show and it was the Virginia Teacher of the Year quitting, giving a speech, quitting at a school board meeting. It's fed up, done. So it doesn't matter. It's not the bad teachers that can't handle it. It's the good teachers that you're losing as well. In fact, the bad teachers are the ones probably staying because they've got nothing else to go do. And again, what constitutes a good teacher and a bad teacher? Teacher evaluations, why are you still doing them? Well, they're probably important to make sure that you're weeding out people that aren't cutting the mustard, but what are you going to get rid of them? Who are you going to replace them with? There's nobody there. The schooling to become a teacher is getting more and more ridiculous. College in and of itself is pretty ridiculous if you think about it because you supposedly get a, a major, right? You're going to major in something, whatever that means these days. But then you have to take all these other courses that the college wants you to take so that they can give you this degree, okay? But why is it that you have to take all these courses that you don't care about? I remember taking many, many courses I didn't even care about. In fact, I took courses just because I was getting close to graduation and there was nothing available. So I took advanced Egyptian historical studies and advanced uh, women's studies. Why? Because it was the only classes that were available. Did I have any interest in them? Absolutely not. In fact, the Egyptian teacher was like, what are you doing in my class? This is an advanced Egyptian class. How do you even qualify? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's the only class that's available at the time that I need a class, and I'm graduating in the spring, so I get your class. But anyways, need to revamp. Focus on more things that prepare a teacher for some of these issues, whether it be the outside-the-classroom stuff like violence, Safety, security, fitness, mental health, you know, stuff like that. Um, If you're not going to pay more, maybe you can work it out with a local gym or something so that they can have free or extremely discounted gym memberships so that they can go and exercise, get that physical fitness so that it relieves stress, things like that. You know, there's other things, maybe... I know that a lot of times school lunches have gotten healthier. And I know it's up to the students, I mean, the the teachers to take care of themselves. But when you're constantly doing grades, when you're constantly having parent-teacher conferences, when you're constantly having the lesson plan, when you're constantly having to grade papers, when you're constantly having to do all this other stuff, and a lot of times it happens outside of class 
you know, school hours because you've got so much stuff going on. You know, like this one teacher said, you've got the, you lose your lesson planning time because you've got to go cover something else. Um, and so you're doing, I know teachers that are up at 4 a.m. and they're doing reports and they're doing charts and they're doing data because they don't have enough time during the day. And it goes on and on. Kids don't know how to behave in the classroom. The status quo, like, oh, nothing just happened the last three years, so let's just begin as is. Administration that is out of touch, making rules, and they're not even the ones that have to apply or abide by those rules. But again, things need to be done. The whole system needs to be revamped. And apparently now it seems like it's a good time. Apparently there's plenty of money. According to this NPR article, people are apparently drowning in excessive funds from COVID relief. And if that money is dried up, what was it spent on? Again, while we're sending money to Ukraine to the tune of a hundred of billions of dollars, that could be used here. Education. Gotta rechange the whole thing. I know I know a teacher that left California and went to another state, taught in California for many, many years. And California is one of the hardest places to get a um a teaching credential. It takes a lot of hoops. And so went to this other state and had to do all this stuff again. In fact, it got to the point where they wanted this teacher to go back to school and take classes, like undergrad classes, like, you know, like you would if you had, and this teacher has a master's. Why would you do that? Well, it's probably money involved for one, but there's got to be something where like, if you are a certified teacher, like a credentialed teacher in one state, why not all the states? Doesn't make sense. And why not make it a little bit easier for people to get? I know part of the uh, teacher process is taking, like in California, you have to take a CSET. Then you have to take the CBEST. And then you had to do at least, when I was going through it, you had to do some TPAs, which I still don't know what they are. Um, you had a student teach for free, which is now changing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of these positions are now becoming paid because they need the teachers. But, yeah, you need to rechange, revamp everything. Status quo, like there was said, isn't working. Now's the time to change. Now's the time to revamp. Now's the time to make it so that it works. Provide teachers with an opportunity to protect themselves. Provide teachers with the legal freedom, the safety net, to maybe act outside the box because the situation that has presented themselves is unique. Like, what, if this te- what would this teacher have done to try to defend herself if this dude's coming after her? What's she going to do? Use kind words? Oh, please don't knock the shit out of me? Probably not. What are you going to do? The teacher that was tapping them, can you pretty please get off her because you're about to kill her? No, it took a Marine, who happened to be the person that showed up, to physically remove him. So again, Change needs to be made. There's a lot of times I think about, like I said, there's times where I haven't left the classroom, but I thought about leaving the classroom because, you know, the threat is there. But um, fortunately it hasn't. But if something like that, if someone came up to me like that, I mean, what do you do? What if you can't back away? Well, if they're coming at you and the only way out is the door and the person is between you and the door and they won't let you get out and they're going to get violent with you, what do you do? And there's only students in the classroom and who knows what those other students are going to say. 
And even though it is strictly the student's responsibility or the student's at fault because they escalated, you know, maybe they're bullying another student. Maybe they're acting in an unsafe manner. Any number of things. And so you go up to them and said, please don't do that. Please don't bother your other student. Hey, don't hit your fellow classmate. And then they get in your face. Give that fellow classmate phone back. You guys shouldn't even have your phone out anyways, but give it back because stealing is wrong. And then they get in your face. What are you going to do? And they escalate. What are you going to do? So you back away, you back away, you try to move around the classroom, but now your exit is blocked. In the real world, game on. You can defend yourself. Can you really in the classroom? Would you really want to take that risk? Because you know that as a teacher, you're going to be the one that's blamed, even though it was solely, strictly the student that escalated it, instigated it completely 100% at fault. Do you really want to take that risk? It's hard to say. So, yeah. Teachers are leaving for many reasons that have been said in these two pieces of audio and video that we've shared, but I've also witnessed it. I've also seen it firsthand. Not to the tune maybe that others have. And that's why teachers sometimes snap, push back, because they they can't handle it anymore. The days of Mr. Hand kicking Spicoli out of the classroom just because he can, using his words, wouldn't fly today. That would never happen. Spicoli would probably get mad. Or Mr. Hand taking Spicoli's pizza and passing it around to everybody. Spicoli would get game on, and he'd get violent with that teacher, just like this kid who said that the teacher took his Nintendo Switch. So he got mad and lashed out violently. That's what Spicoli would have done nowadays. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo, and all our shows are there for you to watch. It'll take you to our Rumble page. You can subscribe to our Rumble page, which is the video portion, or you can go to a SoundCloud account, which is also linked to our website, and subscribe there and never miss an episode. You can download the audio portion and take it with you on the go. You can also listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia. You can just Google search it or internet search it, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and it pops up. Or you can just say, hey, Suri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And we pop up. You can check out our Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and check out all the videos there. And so we are uh, pretty much everywhere. Just look us up. And remember, two is TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. You can also go to our website, click the merchandise shop, buy some pretty cool merchandise, hats, shirts, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, some summer attire, drinkware. If you want to support the show, we'd appreciate that. And then also there's a Listen Live link on the um, website, RadioWarp.com. You click the Listen Live link, and some cool music comes up featuring a lot of the great hits from the 80s, plus some other podcasts, some other shows, so some live entertainment 24-7. Again, Two Steps Ahead podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.